In 2002, and it's hard to believe that 2002 was 21 years ago now for a lot of us, 2002, a new reality show came into being and changed so much about American culture. In fact, this new reality show is still going on today, and what it did is it brought an ancient word back into the mainstream of American culture in our vocabulary and how we um, just kind of see the world around us, and we use this word all the time. You know what show I'm talking about. American Idol. Yes, American Idol. And that first year, that first year, Kelly Clarkson won. Do you remember that? Remember that? Yeah, yeah. I think that whole thing happened for a moment like this. (laughs) That's what happened. That's what happened since you've been gone. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. Right, but it did, it did. It brought the word idol into the mainstream. In fact, in fact, it wasn't long after the show started and people started watching it to where you would just refer to American Idol with that one word, idol. Hey, did you watch Idol? Did you watch Idol? Are you, are you caught up? No, we didn't say are you caught up on Idol because nobody could record anything. That'll blow your mind. <laughs> Back in 2002, we weren't recording anything. We still had the, you know, yeah, that, all of that. But now idol is a part of our vocabulary. It's a part of our American culture, which is interesting because we've always assumed, and I think a lot of us assume, and maybe still you make this assumption, when you see the word idol and you hear the word idol and you know you're not talking about American idol, you automatically assume it has something to do with some kind of ancient culture. Some ancient culture, some other religion at least, right? Not, not you, not here, not now, because you're in church. You've tuned in online. You're here to worship God, to worship Jesus. So this has nothing to do with you, like idol. You know what that is, but what's that got to do with me? Well, why we're doing this series is because it has more to do than you possibly might assume or think. It'll sneak up on you how often we bow our lives to other things. But more on that in just a little bit. Let me give you the backstory. Um, and we've already hinted at it in the video that set up the series and the message, that this takes us all the way back to ancient Israel. The ancient Old Testament scriptures is recorded in the book of Exodus. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, now everybody, just about everybody, I would assume everybody here, everybody watching online, just it's a part of just our, our world, you've you've aware of the Ten Commandments, even if you're not aware of church or you're new to church and new to God, you're new to, you've at least heard of the Ten Commandments, because you'll hear people say, well, I think that's one of the top ten. I think that's one of the Ten Commandments. Don't do that. That's in the Ten Commandments kind of thing. The Ten Commandments is a list of, you know, the thou shalt nots, thou shalt not, thou shalt nots, and it's very important because it helped give a moral framework for God's people, the Israelites, when they were leaving Egypt and they had no moral framework by which to build things around and God was trying to help them get established and understand who he was and who they are and just, we could do a whole series on that maybe we will one day. But that's the setting for the series because the very first, the very first commandment of the Ten Commandments, I mean right out of the gate, number one, God told Moses, Make sure you tell the people, Moses, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. Now, the word before doesn't mean um, you can have 15 gods as long as I'm at the top. 
right? It, it just really means besides, like me and me only. No other gods, no other allegiances, just me. Wow. Whew. You talk about different. Back then, this was unheard of. This was revolutionary because all the religions had multiple gods. All the other nations had multiple gods. They had gods for, you know, agriculture. They had gods for fertility. They had gods for, uh, you know, leisure life. They had gods for when tragedy struck. They had gods for the sun and the moon and the wind and all these different gods, gods of nature and for different circumstances. And so for Jehovah God, to come to Moses and say, just me, I'm it. Why would he do that? Because, because God knew, and he wanted us to know, that he was supreme. He was creator, and that as Israel would find out the hard way, and as we often find out the hard way, life doesn't go very well when we put other things in the place that only God should be. Yeah, God knew that, and he wanted us to understand that. In fact, if you, could, if, if you look at it this way, kind of zoom out, that number one commandment kind of set the tone for all the other commandments. And not just that, the entire Old Testament narrative, the whole story of Israel through the Old Testament, if you look at it this way, you could see that it basically is a journey and a story of them trying to figure out how to live this out. No other gods. And they were constantly bumping up against us and constantly struggling with this. And guess what? It's not just them. Way back then, it's us too. Me too. You too. We still struggle with this thing of idols, even though we wouldn't call it that. He teased out this number one commandment here. He, he explained it. This is still part of that first commandment. No other gods. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything. And most of us think that's what idols are, right? They're just images. They're little statues. And then he said, no images in the form of anything in heaven above or earth beneath or in the waters below. Nothing. And, and so because that's what, that's what images were back then. They were images of animals and natural things in the sky, on the earth, and in the waters, and the sea, and the ocean, and rivers. And God said, we're going to do this differently, differently than you've ever seen it done. No, no, we're not, no. You do not make an image to try to describe me. And he says, he goes on and he says, you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now we see this word jealous and we, you know, impose a meaning on that. This is not jealous out of insecurity, the, you know, the middle school, high school girlfriend going, I can't believe you looked at her kind of thing. <laughs> Mm -mm, not that kind of jealous. That's a different, that's a jealous out of insecurity. And God's not insecure. This jealousy is more of because I'm supreme, because I'm creator, I deserve your undivided devotion. And when you are supreme and you are creator, you can basically say, this is the way it's going to run. This is the way it was meant to be. God said, don't bow down to them, don't worship them. Again, revolutionary. They'd never seen of a God like this. They'd never heard of a religion like this where there's one God. And God said, listen, you cannot define me with an image. You cannot make a physical image and put me in a physical space or place and go, that's God. 
You, you cannot define me with an image and you cannot confine me with a space or a place because I am ever present, I am everywhere. You cannot, so don't try, don't try. You're gonna misunderstand me if you try to make an image about me. Ironically, Moses' brother Aaron, while God was telling Moses this to tell the people, he's down at the bottom of the mountain, back at camp, helping the people melt down their jewelry <laughs> to do just that, to make an image to try to represent God. We gotta have an image. Everybody's got an image. They got an image. They got an image. We wanna be like all the cool nations. All the cool nations have images. We don't have image. We gotta have an image. And so they were making an image and like gonna create a mess of this whole thing. You're like, well, why would they do that? That's it's human nature. We'll get there. We assume idols are obvious things then, right? A statue, a golden calf. We assume idols are obvious things that we can look at and say, well, don't do that. Don't, that's an idol. Don't, don't worship that. that. That's an idol. Or at least they're obvious in terms of being anti-God or anti-Jesus or opposite of what we would say we believe. Like really overt and obvious and it would be easy to identify and say, no, 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 just keep that out of your life and that's not good and that's not healthy. But that's not the case because most often idols are good things that we have put in the place of God. They're not bad things necessarily that is like evil, awful, you know, yeah, that still applies, but it's, it's more sneaky than that. It's more subtle than that, and it's a bigger issue than you might think because it really is about the good things we put in the place of God. Now, when we talk about idols, what we're talking about, what we're talking about in this series is really worship. Worship. What it is, you truly worship. And by worship, we don't just mean sing songs about God, sing songs about the divine. That's a very small part of worship, actually. We're actually talking about what you give your devotion to, what you give your allegiance to, what you set as first priority in your life, in the first position of your life, the filter by which everything else in your life is determined. Or rather, look at it like this. In worship, we're talking about what you or who you appeal to first and most. What's your starting point? What do you go to first? And what do you go to most? When you're not quite sure, hmm, this changes the conversation, doesn't it? This really is about what we worship. And we're wired to worship. Human beings are wired to worship. All you gotta do is look at the cultures, history, all around. You've not seen a culture. You've never met a culture. You've never studied a culture that doesn't worship something. Because we are wired. God says that when he created human beings, he set the sense of eternity in our hearts. He says we know, we know there's something more. We know there's something bigger. We, in Romans chapter one, wish we had time to unpack this further. We'll do it later. But Romans chapter one, Paul writes that God created the universe in such a way that we look at the universe and go, I didn't do that. I know, Bill, you didn't do that. How, how do you explain this? And so it makes us, okay, it makes us, we're drawn to worship. So what is it? Who is it? That is first and most. So for the next few minutes, I just want to ask you a series of questions to help you answer 
what it is you truly worship. In fact, let me just start with that. Let me just put it up on the screen and, and, and so it helps you to see it, not just hear it. What do you worship like really, like, like truly? Like first, it's your starting point and most, it's your go-to. When you're fuzzy on something, when you're confused about something, when you got questions about something, where, where, what's your go-to? First and most. Now, you're going to be tempted to go, well, God, of course, Jesus, of course. I mean, look, I'm in church. I, I tuned in online. I could have been doing something else. I mean, I, I wanted to get the yard work done before the storms come in this afternoon. But look at me. Look how much I love a Lord. Right? And maybe there's somebody online right now. You're actually listening to this live in earbuds while you mow the lawn. You think you've got the best of both worlds. So glad you've tuned in. Don't miss a spot right now. <laughs> It happens. Great, right? I, yeah, I worship God. I don't have a problem with this. Who do I worship? Yeah, I worship God. Wait, 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 wait. Back up, back up. Won't you be honest? It takes some courage. This is going to take some courage. It's going to take some guts to think through, okay, what do I bow my life to? Really? What do I build my life around? Truly. What, what is... What do I work everything around? If you say my two-year-old, okay, okay, yeah, okay, get it, right, 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 right. And that, okay, they do take a lot, <laughs> right? But but zoom out a little bit more. In other words, what's the thing that determines all the other things for you? What is the thing that all the other things? Because as we will see, there's lots of things in life. What is the thing that determines and impacts all the other? Things. When you identify what the thing is that determines all the other things, you have just identified what it is you truly worship and possibly. If it's other than God, you've just identified an idol. Uncomfortable, isn't it? Let's look at it like this. Who calls the shots? Does that help? Right? Who calls the shots? And maybe you're thinking, <laughs> nobody, just me. Nobody tells me what to do. Hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. Don't laugh that off. If you're thinking that or feeling that, you may be onto something. We'll come to that in a minute. We'll come to that in a few minutes. You may have just identified what it is you truly bow your life to, and you may be staring at it in the mirror. Who calls the shots? Like the last time you had to make a big decision. The last time you had to really make a big decision in your life or at your job or with your marriage or with your kids or your finances or your health or a big decision about the direction in your life. How did that go for you? How did you come about making that decision? If you answer that, it'll help you get to the question of who really calls the shots. Who do you appeal to first and most? Where's your starting point and where's your go-to? You just kind of go with your gut? Because you always end up figuring it out. You always, I mean, you're pretty smart. And I always figure it out. I got myself here. I'll figure it out. Don't you worry. I'll figure it out. Hmm. You say, well, I, I sought lots of counsel. Hey, that's great. What, seeking wise counsel is good. As long as the people that you're seeking counsel from also worship God first and most. Worship Jesus. Follow Jesus first and most. Because if they don't, then their counsel ain't going to be so wise. Last time you made a big decision. How much time did you spend going, Lord, I, I need you on this. I, I, I don't want to, 
I don't want to misstep on this, and I don't want to screw this up. And, and God, I, I don't want to deceive myself, and I don't want to be deceived by others. I, I really need your guidance in this. I, I really do. I mean on the big things in life, not like how to fill out your NCAA bracket a few weeks ago, not, not that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the stuff that really matters kind of stuff. God, and, and did you find yourself opening up the scriptures and say, what did Jesus say about this? What did Jesus teach us about this? Hmm. Or let me, you know, who calls the shots? Who, who, who has the final say? Let me rephrase it one more way. What's the center? What's the center of your life? What's the nucleus, the, the filter that everything runs through? What is... What is the thing that everything gets arranged around? What is the thing in your life that everything else just kind of revolves and orbits around? Could you identify that? You'll identify what it is you truly worship. Now listen, there, there's a lot of priorities in life. We've already mentioned that. But what, what, is, what is the priority that determines all the other priorities? Because here's what, here's what God wanted Moses to understand. And here's what we discover in flesh and bone through the person of Jesus Christ. Because God is, uh, Jesus is what God has to say about himself to the world. He is God in flesh and bone. So we look at following Jesus. And here's, what, here's the bottom line. Jesus is the kind of priority. Following Jesus is the kind of priority. Worshiping Jesus is the kind of priority that reprioritizes all of your other priorities. There's lots of priorities in life. There is. I mean, there's important stuff. I mean, you got to work, right? The kids have to have nuggets. I mean, there's other things to do. I mean, right, there, is, there are the things in life you have to deal with. But Jesus is the priority that when you truly worship Jesus, he is the priority that will reprioritize every other priority. From money to job. To relationships, he helps us get all the other things right. Now, you know what? Let me put it on the screen because I, I, I'm going to show you a list here of what I have discovered to be the most common knockoffs that we find ourselves worshiping that have become idols to us without even realizing it. They sneak up on us. Now, for some of you, it may be overt, but most of us, it's kind of sneaky and subtle, and you have to pay very close attention to what's going on. And, and I'm going to put these on the screen. You can take a picture of them. We're not going to spend a ton of time on them. And, and I'm sure there's a better list, and I'm sure there's a longer list. I just tried to, you know, here's my list. Money. Let's start there. You know why we start there? Because that's where Jesus got really specific on the Sermon on the Mount when he said, nobody can serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. You have to make up your mind. You can't serve God and, and he didn't say the devil or the devil, right? That would be the most obvious. Ding, 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 ding. No, no. He said, you cannot serve God and money. That's what Jesus said. Why would he say you cannot serve God and money? Because Jesus knew that ultimately money is the biggest competitor for our hearts to God. And it happens to Christian people, good people, God-fearing people, like you and me, right? Money. You, you, money makes a lousy God. It's a horrible knockoff, and it will sneak up on you, and, and you start seeing it in your job and career. It's on the list, right? Jobs are important. The Scriptures teach us about the responsibility to work. That's just the way our world works. You need to work. Good to make a living. That's honorable. It's God-honoring as well. It honors those you love. But it's not to be your God. And it's not to be the center 
And it's not to be the thing that everything else bows down to. And that's tricky because jobs take a lot of time, right? Jobs take a lot of energy, and, and it's important. But is it the thing that everything else is determined by, right? Is it the thing that everything else revolves around? It's the job, the career, because the money, right? They're all tied together. And maybe it's you're trying to make a name for yourself. You're trying to establish a position, win an award, achieve a certain status of power, or maybe for you, it's just about stuff and possessions, right? Because have you seen what he's driving? <laughs> Man, I'm going to make some changes. I want to drive what he's driving. You see where they live? Or they moved out of our neighborhood. They moved out and they moved on up. And we get, everybody, everybody's moving out of you know, these kind of neighborhoods. They're going to those kind of neighborhoods. We got to get one of, we got to have one of the, and listen, I, I, I have got to start taking better vacations. I mean, I, I am just looking... And what they're doing, you know, wait, I need to scroll the right way. That's up, right? Instagram is up. Right to left, that's another kind of <laughs> scroll. <laughs> but maybe that's your deal, right? I got to get me a man. I, gotta, I got the wrong woman, you know, kind of thing. Whoa. Maybe, maybe that's, but for a lot of us, it's stuff and possessions, and we don't even realize how we're driven by the pursuit of stuff. Possessions. There's nothing wrong with stuff as long as it's not your God. When possessions become what everything else revolves around, you have a lousy knockoff and it's just not going to go the way you want it to go. Comfort, convenience, and pleasure, that's a sneaky one. Boy, that's a sneaky one. You would be surprised how many decisions you make for your own comfort, convenience, and pleasure. Were you saying God wants me to be uncomfortable? Unhappy? Well, it's not the, really the best question, but a lot of important things in life are going to, and some of the most important things in life are going to involve your discomfort and your pain and maybe suffering. Some of the greatest moments in life are achieved after great times of heartache. So yeah, if you just think following Jesus is to make my life more comfortable and God just wants to make me happy, and doesn't God want me to be, we'll say a little bit more about this next week, doesn't God want me to be happy? Doesn't he want me to be happy? Why well, happiness is a bonus. Happiness is great. But if that's the center of your life, no wonder. God was on to something, wasn't he? When he told Moses, let's start here, Moses. <laughs> no other gods. Now, the rest of your life, you figure out how to live that. Convenience. Maybe for you it's a people thing. It's acceptance and approval you just want everybody to be happy with you. You, as long as every, you just want to make everybody happy and you just want everybody to give you a thumbs up and you'll do anything to get the acceptance and approval of others because ultimately that's your God. Even though you've given Jesus this slot on Sunday, you hopefully he's grateful, <laughs> right? Even though, even though, I'm like, oh yeah, I got, here's the deal. God's too big for a slot. God said, no other gods, I'm it. And I am the thing that determines all of the things. I am the priority that reprioritizes all of your other priorities. And that's why you and I need this. See, worshiping Jesus affects all of this. Affects every single thing on this list and so much more. How you live, how you spend money, how you work, how you make decisions. How you vote, how you do family, how you do marriage, how you parent, how you handle conflict, how you process pain, and we could go on and on and on and on. But here's what I want to make sure you don't miss. All of this stuff about other gods and who calls the shots, you know what it's ultimately, you know what it ultimately boils down to? A battle, a battle 
with this four-letter word right here, self. That's what this really comes down to. You see, you think, you think maybe you thought idol. It's about that statue in the corner, and I don't buy it, and I don't worship them. And I don't, wait, 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 wait. The greatest challenge you have to worshiping Jesus first and most above all things is staring you in the mirror every day. That's why when Jesus described what it looked like to follow him, don't miss this, when Jesus, God in flesh and bone, who perfectly lived out the Ten Commandments, including the first one, when he described what it looked like to follow him, this is what he said. And Matthew records, whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus said, my follower, whoever wants to worship me, must deny themselves. Uh-oh, self-denial? Well, that hurts. That means I might be unhappy. That means I may experience some inconvenience, uncomfort, discomfort. Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That image of taking up your cross is all about sacrifice. Sacrifice, that's the image of a cross. A cross, the symbol of sacrifice. And thankfully, Jesus didn't ask us to make the ultimate sacrifice. He was about to do that. But he said, but if you're going to follow me, this is my way. It's about self-denial and self-sacrifice. That's how Jesus described what it meant to follow him. And this goes against, this goes against our nature. Jesus wanted us to know that ourselves are lousy knockoffs when it comes to God's. Even yourself. This goes against our culture. This goes against what we're told and what we feel. We're told and we feel. Look out for number one. You know what? Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Look inside. Look deep inside and find your truth. Find your own truth. Follow your dreams. Follow your goals so that you are happy. And Jesus said, even though there's nothing wrong with dreams and goals and happiness, that's not the ideal. Jesus said, follow me. And if you're going to follow me, you're going to deny, you're going to have to come upon this reality of denying yourself and sacrificing some things in order to live the life that I have designed for you to live. And let me, let me point out one more thing, because for me and you, if I'm sitting where you're sitting, and me, just standing where I'm standing and saying what I'm saying, I have conversations with myself in my head. You're having a conversation with me right now, and, and I'm arguing with myself, and you're arguing with me, but you, you don't understand, and you don't get it, and you don't. And we're, and we're apt to do that, right? The pushback, the pushback, and there's nothing wrong with the pushback. That's how we learn. That creates stress and tension, and that's how God grows us in our hearts, and it's okay. Have the conversation, and we'll say more about that next week. That's good. That's good. But eventually... There has to be kind of like a bottom line that we build from, a foundation we build from. And so let me give it to you. Let me tell you why this is a big deal. And let me tell you what Jesus said that backs up what God told Moses and why God told Moses, no other gods, just me. Because at the end of Jesus' time on earth, after the death, burial, and resurrection, after the first Easter, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples, getting ready to give them his departing marching orders for them on earth. And this is how Jesus set up that conversation. Jesus said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. All authority. 
Let that sink in. All authority, which leaves out no authority. All authority. All. Why would he say that? Well, he just rose from the dead. He created, he created the universe, John chapter 1. There was nothing made that Jesus didn't make. And, and then he just he, he conquered life and then conquered death and kicked death in the teeth and came back from the dead. So when you've done all of that, you can say, I have all authority. You know what that means? That whether or not you want to live like it, Jesus calls the shots. Because he has all authority. And what he says goes. Whether I like it or not, whether I am comfortable with it or not, whether I fully understand it or not, what he says goes. And what Jesus says ultimately is what I'm going to be held to and what you're going to be held to. You're not going to be held to my opinion and what I think, and I'm not going to be held to your opinion and what you think. And we'll talk about next week. We're definitely not going to be held to culture's opinion and what culture says and thinks. We are ultimately held to the authority of one. And God told Moses, just me, just me. And Jesus said, oh, all authority. I call the shots. And you can say such a thing when you give your life for the very people whose God you want to be and should be. So for you, it's just Jesus calling the shots. Let me give you a picture to help digest that a little bit. Last year, we all remember, kind of like one of those 9-11 moments you remember where you were when you heard that Queen Elizabeth passed away? Or more specifically, you probably were aware of where you were and what was going on when the funeral, you know, it was on all the stations, and if you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, you really should get out more. Okay. It was a big deal, historic moment. I learned that um, there are 4.7 billion and that's a conservative estimate, 4.7 billion banknotes, not to mention all the coinage, with Queen Elizabeth's face and likeness on it, which all have to be changed now to King Charles, her son, who is now the new sovereign. You see the way their system works. And, and this is estimated to take a little bit more than two years to completely finish out. The way their system works is that the sovereign, the king, the queen's face and likeness is to be reflected on all of the currency in their economic system. And so when you have a new sovereign, which they haven't had in a very, 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 very long time, now there's a new sovereign. Now there's somebody else sitting on the throne and their likeness now must be transcribed and reflected on all of the currency. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. He is the sovereign. He is the sovereign. My question to you is, is his face and his likeness reflected on the currency of your life? I don't know who you have put or what you have put on the throne of your life. 
Maybe, maybe, you know, there's other things, and we gave you a list, and maybe there's other lists, and maybe it's you, maybe it's your mug on the currency of your own life. Well, good luck with that. God told Moses, it's to be my, my face, my likeness on everything, everything. And Jesus said, all authority, all authority is mine. You follow me, it's about self-denial, it's about sacrifice, and I will make it worth it. It's about us trusting that Jesus' way is better, that Jesus' way of self-denial and sacrifice is actually better than our own way of comfort, convenience, and happiness. I'm telling you, it's a struggle. You feel that? Do you feel that? This is tense, man. This is hard. But this is what we're called to. This is why this is such a big deal. Who is reflected on the currency of your life? Who is the sovereign in your life? Because that will show up the face of Jesus and the likeness of Jesus, and more specifically, the way of Jesus should determine everything in your life from money to job to relationships to sex to parenting, to solving problems and making decisions, and you fill in the blank. There is nothing that his sovereignty doesn't touch because all authority belongs to Jesus. And God told Moses, me and me only. God help us. God help me. We're getting ready to do a song that is a prayer, really. And I don't want you to sit there and just listen to the song. I want you to engage with this song and this prayer and ask God to show you what you have placed first and most. And there may be more than one thing that competes for that in your life. And maybe it's all jumbled up there at the top. Ask God to show you and be willing to be courageous enough to make some changes. Jesus said, I call the shots. Let's ask God to show us how we need to begin living in that truth. Our Father, we thank you. Thank you for this because we need this. I need this. I, all of us, myself included, we get sidetracked and we get self-tracked. And Lord, may we understand that life is too short and too important to settle for a knockoff version of what you and only you can do and offer in our lives. Show us. If we've put ourselves there, if we've put money there, if we've put other people there, if we've put our jobs there, if we bow our lives to cultural opinion, show us. Help us. And may we be courageous enough to rearrange our lives, to let the priority of Jesus reprioritize all of our other priorities. Show us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen.